There was a little boy in a supermarket one day who was being uh, rather bad. And his mother told him, I don't want you to touch a thing. You've heard this before. And so she was walking down the aisle, and lo and behold, behind her, there was a crash. And sure enough, she turns around, and there's her little boy standing there in the middle of the aisle with a can. He had decided that he was going to take one of the bottom cans out of the display, and in so doing, hundreds of cans had fallen to the floor. She was embarrassed. She was angered. She stormed down the aisle. She picked her son up firmly, put him in the seat of the cart, and said, don't you dare move another inch, young man. I'm sure some of you have heard that once or twice. I know I have. And after a few minutes had gone by, the, the son got his courage up and started talking. And he said, Mommy, you said the other day that when God forgives our sin, he throws them away into the deepest part of the ocean. His mother said through clenched teeth, Yes, I did. And then you said that God allows those things to sink to the bottom of the sea, lost in the ocean. Didn't you, Mommy? His mother said, yes, I did. And then you said that God forgets all about those things and never goes looking for them again. And his mother said, yes, I did. Well, Mommy, I've got a feeling that when I get home, you're going to go fishing. All of us who have children have been through that once or twice. We just have to remember that we're not supposed to go fishing. Right, kids? Right, teenagers? Right, young adults? Your day will come. Your day will come. The University of Michigan and the National Institute of Medical or Mental Health did a study across America. It's been uh, several years ago. And they found that 75% of Americans felt very confident that they had been forgiven by God all their trespasses. 75%. Three quarters of the people surveyed had few doubts that the slate had been wiped totally clean. Unfortunately, on the other side of the coin, when it came to forgiving others, less than 50%, almost 45%, said they really weren't certain that they had been able to forgive other people. While God might have been entirely gracious to them, they were either unwilling or unable to be gracious, merciful, unforgiving to others. It's difficult for us, isn't it? We get angry, people do things wrong to us, and we have a tendency to be upset and very unforgiving. It's especially difficult when someone has done us wrong or someone has done something to a loved one. We get very upset. In some ways, we think about ways of getting even. I have to admit, I think about those things sometimes. Sometimes you just simply want to ignore the person. Sometimes you just want something, nothing to do with them. But a lot of times, you want revenge. You want them to feel the way you have. It's difficult for us to forgive. But one thing that is in common for all of us is that we've all been hurt, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Someone has done something wrong to us. Someone needs forgiveness like all of us need forgiveness. Perhaps someone had done something to Peter when he asked this question of Jesus. Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how should I forgive them? 
We don't know whether that's the cause. We don't know whether something actually had happened to Peter, or maybe Peter was just acting on some of the teachings that Jesus had given him, and he wanted to know how many times. But before Jesus could even answer, Peter, like so many of us, came up with the answer that he thought was good. As many as seven times? How about seven times? That sounds good. Seven's a good number. It's a biblical number. It's the number of days that it took for God to create the earth. Surely seven times would be a good number, don't you think? Peter thought he had an exceptional answer. Exceptional answer. Even the rabbis, the Jewish rabbis, he said, you are to forgive three times. If the fourth time is needed, that's on God. So what Peter has done, he's doubled the amount. He added one more for good measure. He's saying, as many as seven times, Lord? Peter thought he'd finally come to it. He got, he got a great answer. To forgive someone who wronged you, someone who hurt you, seven times? Let's be honest, folks. Most of us have trouble forgiving once, the first time, much less seven times. But what does Jesus do with Peter? He comes back and he answers, this is not seven times, but 77 times. And don't worry about the count. He could have said 177, 7,777, 7,777,777. Doesn't make any difference. It's not the number he's talking about. He's giving a new teaching on forgiveness. He's saying that forgiveness is an attitude. Forgiveness is a positive attitude every day of our lives. Jesus is teaching there is no limit to forgiveness. And I know some of you right now are sorting through that. Mm, I think there's forgiveness. Jesus is telling Peter and he's telling us, "Uh uh-uh, there's not a limit. We don't reach a certain number. We don't come to this point and say, I cannot forgive anymore. And then Jesus tells this parable. The parable of the king that wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And this one servant that was brought before him who had a tremendous debt, an extraordinary debt, 10,000 talents, 10,000 talents. It was impossible for that servant ever to pay off that debt. He would have to work more than 150,000 years to earn 10,000 talents. It's like the national debt. It's difficult to comprehend. It is so much money, it is impossible The average person couldn't appreciate that gigantic sum. So Jesus exaggerates the figure deliberately. He wants us to know that there's no way that that servant could have paid the debt off. He couldn't work hard enough. He couldn't work long enough. He couldn't have enough overtime to earn enough money to get anywhere near that 10,000 talents. And the king is ready to throw the servant, his wife, his children, all of his stuff into prison and extract the money that way. And what's he do? He gets down on his knees, just like you and I would get down on our knees. Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. There was a chord that was struck in that king, that master. He didn't want the man really to go to prison. He didn't want his family sold off. And so from somewhere deep down inside him, he forgave him. He forgave him of the entire amount of that debt, and the man was free thanks to the goodness of the one king. We don't run into a gracious attitude like that all the time, do we? It would probably be difficult for us to call the mortgage company or the credit card company and say, have patience, I'll pay it off. No. 
But that's what Jesus expects of us, a graciousness, a mercy, a forgiveness. The story is told about a woman who was celebrating her 50th wedding anniversary. And her friend stopped by and said, I want to know how in the world it was possible for you to live with that man for 50 years. And she says, well, I'll tell you a secret. The night we got married, I made a list up of the 10 most aggravating things that he could do and decided that I would forgive him every time he did one of those things. His friend asked, well, what was on the list? And then she said, well, I have to be really honest with you. I never got around to writing down the list. But every time he did something that made me really hopping mad, I would say, you're lucky that's one of the 10. Now, for me, if you ask Lori, I've got about 100 on my list, maybe 125. That if I make her hopping mad, she'll forgive me, maybe. But isn't that the type of forgiveness that we're really seeking? Isn't that, that the type of graciousness that we're really seeking in each other? The wife was celebrating. That's the kind of attitude that Jesus would have loved to forgive someone who does us wrong, someone who hurts us. And there is no limit to the amount of forgiveness. I'm sorry, folks, it's not a number. I know you'd like to tell me, give you a number, but it's not a number. We are to keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. It's a way of life. That's what Jesus told Peter. That's what Jesus tells us. Forgiveness is an ongoing daily reality with each of us. Not only are we ourselves forgiven by God, we need to turn around and give that away. How many times do you seek forgiveness in a day? Any of you ever get through a day without needing forgiveness? If you do, I need for you to come see me because I want to know what your secret is. All of us on a daily daily method need to seek forgiveness. And that's what God, Jesus is saying to Peter, you need to forgive. I forgive you. You need to forgive others. Now, if we're able to forgive a person, we come to our second point, then healing starts inside of us. Healing from the inside out. We are made better people because of our forgiveness. The king forgave this servant a colossal debt. You would think that that act of forgiveness would have changed that servant, but the story tells us differently. Note the contrast in the amounts. First, we're told that the one servant had 10,000 talents. Do you realize it takes a whole army to transport 10,000 talents? But the other servant had a debt of 100 denarii. 100 denarii is something you can stick in your pocket. It's like three ones and a 50-cent piece. You can carry that around with you. And what do we have? We have the servant that was forgiven going out enraged with the other one, grabbing him and saying, pay me what you owe me. Even if it's that small, trivial sum of 100 denarii, and if you don't do it, I'm going to throw you and your wife and your kids and everything right into jail until you pay me. The servant had been unmoved by forgiveness. The servant had been unmoved by the gift of God. And now he was shaking somebody else down. The opportunity had been missed, and he didn't really know the true joy of forgiving. When we harbor negative feelings... When we are unable to forgive another person, we are the ones that suffer most. We suffer more than anything else. We suffer emotionally, we suffer physically, we suffer mentally, and we most certainly suffer spiritually. 
If you've ever felt that on the inside, it eats away from you the inside if you are unforgiving. I love the old adage, it's about unforgiveness or revenge. Revenge is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That's exactly what it is. You do more harm to yourself than you ever will with anybody else because it eats away at you from the inside out. Pain, pride, resentment, the usual reasons why people don't forgive. Devastating effects on others and devastating effect on you. When we hold resentful feelings like that, we literally shorten our lives. We poison our relationships. We poison our relationships with each other, and we poison our relationship with God. We even affect our own feelings of self-worth. Attitudes of bitterness, hostility, resentment literally poisons our body. If you nurse a grudge long enough, I got news for you, you're probably going to die early because it's going to take its toll on you from the inside out. I want you to know something, especially as a pastor, since this is pastor's appreciation, whatever, Sunday, Monday, month, whatever, year, okay. Forgiveness is a solitary pursuit. You never forgive somebody expecting that they will forgive you. And let me tell you, as a pastor, and Sean will back this up, and Quentin will back this up, Leon will back this up. Who else am I forgetting that's in here? Ah, Garnet forgot to back this up. We're in the business of forgetting. For some reason, there must be a target on all of us right here. Like, you know, oh, let's zing him, you know. He, he's, he's really close to God. Let's zing him. Something happens in our life. I, I've never seen and heard some of the things I had in the church. I can get away better at the bar in the bowling alley than some of the relationships I can have at church. I haven't figured it out why, but I'm being honest with you. I'm being honest with you. And we carry all that inside of us. There are nights when we toss and we turn and we sweat blood because of something we've said, something we've done unintentionally, or somebody we've run across. And I keep repeating this in my mind. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Love the sheep, love the sheep, love the sheep. Even when you want to make lamb chops, lamb chops, lamb chops, love the sheep, love the sheep, love the sheep. So I have to be honest with you. Forgiveness affects all of us, and it's something we do on a constant basis, but it's a solitary effort. I never forgive expecting that I'm going to get forgiveness in return, but that would be wonderful. That would be great. That would be great. The servant refused to forgive his fellow servant. And when the other servants found that out, they were shocked. They went and told the master. The master hauled the original servant back in front of him and said, you wicked servant, you haven't learned a thing. You didn't show any mercy on your fellow slave. You didn't show the type of mercy that I showed you. Off with you. Give him to the jailers. Into the prison. Simply because he was unwilling to forgive another. Which brings us to our last final and obvious point. If we don't forgive others, why should we be forgiven? We expect God to forgive us continually, constantly, but he is saying, when I forgive you, you are to forgive others. Forgiveness empowers us to forgive others. And if you don't know forgiveness, how can you share that gift with others? It's like love. If you don't know love, how can you ever share love with others? 
Have you ever been given a second chance? You ever been given a mulligan in life? Have you been ever been given a do-over because of something stupid that you did? I have. Of course, I'm always the idiot up here raising his hand first. I have. It's a do-over. Forgiveness should be a positive, joyful activity in our lives. We change ourselves. Instead of seeing ourselves as victims, we see ourselves as victors. Instead of dealing from weakness, we're dealing from strength. Instead of thinking about ourselves as inadequate, we are affirming ourselves in Jesus Christ, that there is a strength there that only Jesus Christ can give us. Forgiveness allows us to experience within our own lives the presence of the indwelling Christ. Because he has forgiven us, we now can forgive others. The most powerful witness you can ever have for your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is your ability to forgive. Hear me. The most powerful witness that you can ever give to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is your ability to forgive others. So let me ask you, do you have somebody you need to forgive? An unfaithful spouse? An overbearing parent? Some good friend that has stabbed you in the back? An employer who has taken advantage of you? Or perhaps an enemy that you just as soon see dead? You know, I was thinking at this point that I would give you some type of example of some type of forgiveness that I've given to somebody else, and the birds have tweaked or hummed or sung, and the birds, the bees have hummed, and all that it would be just great. But I'm not going to do that. I'm still working on forgiveness. I'm still working on forgiveness for some people back at my old church. And I've asked to be forgiven. And I hope I've been forgiven. But nothing has ever been said. Nothing has ever been spoken to me, and I probably shouldn't expect it because it's a solitary pursuit. But I want you to know that even your pastor on a daily basis continues to try to forgive and forgive and forgive because that's what Jesus has asked me to do, and that's what Jesus asked us to do. It's not a solitary single event. It's a daily event, and every last one of us has somebody, somebody we need to forgive. At the Coventry Cathedral in England, there's probably the most dramatic symbol of forgiveness that there is. It, it's a cathedral in England that was bombed out during the Blitzkrieg of World War II. The constant bombings on England, and only a shell of the old cathedral was left. And after the war, they rebuilt a new cathedral, but you have to walk through the entrance of the old to get into the new cathedral there at Coventry almost as though you you have to enter and pass through the old and leave it behind you to get to a new life. Almost who would say you have to forgive the past so that you can get on with the future. And in the courtyard of that cathedral where the altar once stood, there is a cross, a cross made of charred timbers that came from the ceiling. And on that cross are written the words, Father, forgive. Father, forgive. Wonderful words, but unless you actually put them to work, they simply remain words. 
about seven years after the new cathedral was built, some Germans came to Coventry Cathedral to establish the International Center for Christian Reconciliation. They sponsored a team of young Germans who went to Israel and worked in the kibbutz. They lived with the Jews, they worked with the Jews, they ate with the Jews for some six months in that kibbutz. One of the young men on the team during World War II had been a guard at the concentration camp of Treblinka. And although the others knew who he was, although the others knew exactly where he had come from and what he had done, they never said anything. They never brought it up. He continued to work side by side with his Jewish brothers and sisters day after day after day. They never treated him differently. And about the time they were getting ready to leave, this young man went to see the rabbi at the kibbutz and told the rabbi, I don't know why you should ever forgive me, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry for who I was. I'm sorry for what I did. And I'm sorry for the hurt that I have caused. I'm sorry. And the rabbi, who was a very old and wise man, reached out and took the young man in his arms and hugged him and whispered into his ear, my son, when a person seeks forgiveness at the hands of the one he has hurt, there is no greater joy in all the world. When one seeks forgiveness at the hands of the one he has hurt, there is no greater joy in all the world. That's the joy that I think we seek. That's the joy I believe we all need. That is the expectation that we have come to understand through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That in the end, after everything else has been said, done, we are forgiven to forgive. We are forgiven to forgive. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Would you bow your heads with me, please?